You're listening to Not Many of You Should Become Teachers, a podcast that explores the world of K-12 education as it intersects with the Christian faith. You might call us extreme moderates. We're skeptics who try not to be cynics, who desire to see Christian educators dive deeper in their vocation. Welcome to the show. Okay, here we are. This is episode number 58 of Not Many of You Should Become Teachers, and I'm here with Dave McFarland and Megan Churchill-Brown right on the eve before we return to school after a March break. So how about we start? Dave, how are you doing today? Not too bad, Riley. It's great to hear you again. Um, Yeah, 58. Can't believe it. So... Yeah, and for episode 58, we are joined by one of my colleagues, sometimes Mm -hmm. my partner in crime with some of this faith formation stuff that I really enjoy working with, which is Megan Churchill-Brown. So welcome to the show, Megan. Hello. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. How about you get things uh, kicked off, Megan, by uh, just introducing yourself to our audience, who you are. I know you really well. So how about you let uh, the audience know who you are? Sure. Um, Yeah, as Riley said, I am a middle school teacher. I work with him in the middle school. I teach grade seven. Um, I've been teaching for, I don't know, 13 years or something like that. And uh, married with three kids. I have three daughters. They are in grades four, two, and one. So teaching full time, being a mom Mm -hmm. also full time uh, keeps me pretty busy. So that's my life. Yeah. That's fantastic. Megan, how about you tell us a little bit more about um, your story and just as you've ventured through education, I know that you've done some some graduate work studying in a master's program. I know that you enjoy teaching the Bible as well as other things in assessment. So give us just a little bit of your edu story. Sure. So yeah, I started teaching in 2007 and kind of knew that I always wanted to be a teacher, but became really interested in studying languages and language learning when I was doing my undergrad. So uh, I studied linguistics and Spanish, uh, then started teaching in 2007, and then, you know, had my kids in between there. So I was on and off for a while, but uh, a few years ago, decided I wanted to go back to school and get my master's. So I got an MA TESOL degree, which ironically, I'm not really using right now. I don't teach ESL, but definitely indirectly using a lot of what I've learned in my master's uh, in my current grade seven classroom. So yeah, that's kind of like my overall teaching journey. Um, And then in terms of Bible teaching, that interest for me began uh, a lot more recently. Um, And it kind of started like with a change or a shift in my own understanding of the Bible, like as an adult, um, I kind of like clarified or deepened my understanding of what the Bible is and what it's meant to be and how it's meant to be read. So it's probably nothing that I hadn't learned before. I grew up in a Christian school, grew up in the church, um, but really something just clicked as an adult for me. Um, and the, the things that clicked seem really obvious now, but they, they weren't obvious to me before. Mm. A couple examples being like, the Bible is a book about God. It's not a book about me, at least not in the way that I had understood it to be before. Um, mm. I started to understand like bigger Bible themes throughout the Bible. Um that Jesus is the center of the Bible story, that the whole entire Old Testament points towards him. It's a shadow of the Christ to come and the New Testament illuminates him for us. So as soon as I started understanding that and reading the Bible in that way, it totally changed my understanding of God himself. It it moves us to worship him. It changes us inside when we read that way. And then I started to be really excited about teaching that to my students and inviting that, them into that. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, that's so good. Um, Megan, again, great to have you on the show. And I, it, it's funny that we're, we're colleagues, we're a building apart, a division, uh, a division apart. And I probably know you more through Twitter than actually uh, I know. our place of employment, <laughs> which is really funny. Um, totally. Yeah. N- neat to hear, yeah, about sort of a, a, a growth or a, a pivot, a change, an evolution in, in our, uh, your understanding of, of the Bible and how it works. And, and then, yeah, like bringing that to students. Um, we did an episode not long ago about um, like our own faith. Actually, Riley was, I think it was the last episode we did. Um, just, pre- just previous to the last pre- one. So yeah, episode two, 56. Two, there you go. Riley's yeah. got the, you know, he's, okay. he's archived uh, where we talked about our own, yeah, our own faith journeys and, and actually how teaching itself um you know the the act of teaching and, and having a classroom space and interacting with students is part of that faith formation uh, as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, one of the practices I'm, I'm looking at the, the list of our questions here. Um, we we all do them. I'm curious to hear and and our listeners too uh, about like devotions, uh, whether that has a, a trademark capital D devotion or even just uh, it can be more informal. But it's a it's a formative practice in in Christian schools and, and in our classes. So yeah, maybe tell us a little bit about your experience uh, experiences, uh, the good, the bad, uh, <laughs> etc. Uh, about like devotions and and spiritual practices in the classroom. Sure. So I always feel like I need to give a little bit of a disclaimer mm-hmm. <laughs> when I talk yeah. about devotions because sure. I definitely I, I know that they are or they can be very useful and beneficial and amazing. And I, I do them in my classroom. Um, but I feel like maybe just through my own experiences yeah. in the past or just what I've seen um, others doing sometimes with devotions that there are like some, almost some red flags for me when mm-hmm. it comes to mm-hmm. devotions in the way that we kind of understand that word. Um, so a few of the things that kind of I think of when I hear the word devotions um, often verses out of context <laughs> pulled out <laughs> yeah. like for daily yeah. encouraging yeah. purposes. Um, often also, I, I think this really comes from my own experience was just that um, kind of an emotional response was always required oh. from devotions. Like um, you're, if you don't have an emotional response to this topic that we talked about yeah. today, then, then that means it didn't hit you in the heart kind of thing. Um, so, and I just think that's unrealistic. Um, and then I think probably like for me, the biggest thing um, is that often devotions are kind of presented as an acceptable substitute for Bible literacy, like for understanding the Bible. Oh, um, wow. Riley, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Riley, I think I shared a, an article with you a while ago. Mm-hmm. It was written by Jen Wilkin and it's called Your Devotional is Not Your Bible. Oh. Um, and I loved that article because it just was saying exactly that, that like, Mm -hmm. yes, devotions for sure have their place. They can be amazing. They can be awesome. They can be spirit led. They can respond to student needs, but they have to be rooted and grounded in an understanding of the Bible for what it is and not a replacement for that. And I never want my students to get the impression that I'm giving more weight to a devotional that was written by someone than I do to the word of God. So that's kind of like my response to devotions, but I mean, I definitely do them. I think they're important. Um, and I, yeah, yeah. I, I hear that, like that they can be on one hand, they could, it can just turn into uh, a form of ritual, like just formulaic. Yes. And yeah. then, I mean, on the, on the other hand, on the other side of things, or maybe even concurrently, 
they can be like you mentioned, Megan, that like a substitute for uh, mm-hmm. can be almost almost idolized or something, right? Mm-hmm. Like in, in the yeah. sense of like, this is uh, like you spoke of sort of an emotional response and uh, almost a spiritual climax moment in the classroom mm-hmm. that might actually be robbing us and even our focus as Christian educators on what other elements and dynamics in our, in our classrooms can and, and should do for spiritual formation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I appreciate what you said, Megan. I, I, I've had, I think part of the, the way that we've worked together is because we've had a bit of a similar struggle with what mm. are devotions supposed to be in our classrooms? Yeah. Are they becoming formulaic? Are they becoming a substitute for something that should be deeper and maybe um, more academic? Mm-hmm. But then I also want, like, it, it, when I first got into this whole Christian education gig, I was very wary of the idea that I, I was I was skeptical that we may become a buzzword pedagogy with devotions and prayer in the morning. And mm-hmm. if we rely only on those things, well, a couple things happen. One, we don't see the full picture of what education is supposed to be, let alone Christian education. Yeah. And then the second thing, I, I appreciate what you brought up, Dave, that it may become formulaic. And I think in in our context in the middle school, we have these mm-hmm. preteen students. And Dave and I have talked about in, in previous episodes about what we call like a biblical inoculation that students are overwhelmed or just tired of of opening the scriptures to some extent. And mm-hmm. I think Dave sees that more in his context, depending on which which area of uh, curriculum you are, whether you to open a devotional of some kind. But it, there must be some inflection point in our middle school years. So yeah. when we become formulaic and so, um, yeah, I don't know, like I, 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 I'm also skeptical of the word economic, but if we overdo it, of course it will lose its meaning. Mm-hmm. Well, and for you as middle school teachers to have that, um, I, I love hearing that because the great danger of what what we're doing um, a little bit north of you in in the in the high school is trying to I don't like sort of militant language but like combat or confront uh, and even take with a grain of salt sort of student rightly or wrongly probably probably more so unfairly uh, project that back onto their most recent experience which would be middle school right and yep. it like I see I see actually a disconnect between uh, for example, chatting with you as colleagues and student experience, again, grain of salt, but it's like, we're, we're trying to think at this, this K to 12, what is, what is both happening to students and what is being sort of, um, ta- what, what's the, what's the takeaway? Yeah, for sure. And I think we want that takeaway. This is, this is my dad speaking through mm. me that he said, but the takeaway we want students to be devoted more than they do devotion. So mm-hmm. we're still figuring out what that's yeah. supposed to be like for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Totally. Yeah. So I think, yeah, conversations amongst us as colleagues are super important. Just oh, to big time. That's why that. we're here, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's good. Fantastic. Um, well, let's let's go back to 
um, talking about approach to Bible instruction, Megan, I know that you you teach more than one grade seven Bible class this year. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's the first year you're doing that, but it seems yeah. like it's something that you enjoy, something that you took on. And yeah. in middle schools, at least at least from my perspective, there, there's a number of approaches to what it means to teach a Bible class. We already mentioned how um, some perspectives for educators is that a devotional approach is, it can be an approach for teaching a Bible class, and then other teachers choose to try and find ways to integrate their Bible class, whereas there's something that could be just its own separate Bible class on its own. So what has been your approach? What have been some successes or challenges that you've found in that? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think my main thing, like my main goal, I guess, and then in whatever way this plays out, whether it's through devotions, through Bible class, through other areas of curriculum, like I want them to know that they're they're not too young to read and understand God's word as it is. Yeah. Um, they have full access to what he offers and that they then as a result that they're changed because of that and they love and cherish Jesus as a result of that. So like, that sounds like such a big goal, but I think if we walk alongside mm. them and do that together, um, I think it's possible. And I think that that should be our goal. I think that that is what we can hope for, for our students. So, you know, for example, in grade seven, we have a Genesis unit. We study Genesis one to 11 and um, we look at the story of Noah and we ask, Mm -hmm. okay, what does the story about Noah show us about who God is? Shows us that God is just and merciful at the same time. It shows us that he's compassionate. He's Lord over the flood, as it says in the Psalms. Like, what does that mean? Um, And then we ask, like, how does this point us to Jesus? The flood didn't solve the sin problem. A savior was still needed. And And then we can take that and apply that to ourselves and pray in response to that. Like, God, you are so compassionate, as we see in this story. You've also been compassionate to me. And then asking students to share out of that, I think, is super beneficial and it connects them to what they're reading as well. Um, Mm. So I don't know, I guess a criticism, I guess, of kind of a a really Bible-based approach, which I guess is kind of what I would say that I tend to lean towards uh, versus like a teen resource based type of approach would be um, that it can be impersonal or not applicable. But um, I don't know. I would say, like, as God's word said, says, his word is living and active and all of scripture is God breathed and is profitable. Second Timothy 3.16, right? So, um, and I think at 12 years old, that's just as true as it is for us as adults. So that that's kind of my like overall goal in, in teaching mm. Bible and in pulling that into the classroom. Uh, and I love I love hearing that as uh, you know th- your sort of foundation and, and a sense of confidence in that, and not therefore right like underselling or uh, uh, just assuming that we've got to bring all this extra stuff to the specific power of teaching, living, breathing, encountering Christ through Scripture. Right, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and that like whether it's a yeah you said like you know twelve year old, thirteen year old, uh, like a- any age group, like we don't we don't want to discount uh, discount anyone. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm am curious, uh, Megan, to hear, um, and it, you know this can be as sort of particular specific a- as you want, but uh, yeah, some some of the the successes. Uh, perhaps you know in, in your experience in your in your classroom, uh, we we talk about successes and challenges, of course. But um, 
have you put put another way um where have you seen or encountered uh some form of a win uh, a success with with either bible curriculum or spiritual formation of students yeah i think like overall just generally um i think in middle school we kind of have a unique position that's different from high school because mm-hmm. we have our students in our homeroom all the time. Like we teach all of our core subjects to the same group of students all day long. Uh, right. So we kind of have a unique opportunity to build some really trusting relationships in that, um, which can lead to then them being comfortable asking questions that come up or sharing pieces of their lives when they uh, when they feel ready to do that. So, And then I think that really leads to success in our mm. in our looking at God's word and what does God's word say about this and like how can we pray for each other in this and um yeah building building that relationship of trust in that safe place in the classroom I think is a huge part of the success that we can have. Um, also just when they start to take that Bible literacy that I kind of really like mm-hmm. work towards from the start of the year and they start to own it and they're then starting to ask questions as they're reading um wow. ba- based on what they've learned and what we've discussed. So it's not so much more about like, well, what does this have to do with me? But like, oh, wow, what does this mean about who God is? And then what does that mean for me? So take, taking that um, ownership piece of it, I've seen that in the classroom. And I feel like that's a huge win, a huge success when that nice. happens. Yeah. I mean, obviously, so many challenges as well. <laughs> yes. there, yeah. <laughs> there, I mean, middle school kids are at such an interesting stage in their development. Um, where they're kind of like moving away from fully trusting their parents and they care a lot more about what their peers think. Um, so it's so it's challenging to get them to believe that what the Bible says about who they are as created in God's image is is more important than what their peers think about who they are. That's, that's challenging. Um, and that's just because of that age, I think. That magically um, goes yeah. away in high school. I don't even know what you're talking about. So. <laughs> I was, actually, yeah, I was just going to say, never mind. This is still my problem too. So <laughs> No, but yeah, that's uh, very, very true. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Another, another challenge that I have just for myself is kind of finding um, appropriate resources to support what we're doing in the classroom. Like, yes, I of course want everything to be Bible-based, but finding things that can support and enhance what I'm doing. I, I find that challenging for middle school. Um, recently, I found a couple things that I've been going back to, the Bible Recap podcast um, and the Bible Project. But I mean, our school has access to Right Now Media, which is a huge database of resources. And whenever I open it up, I just get really overwhelmed and I never know where to start and where to look. Right. So I find that a bit challenging. Mm-hmm. I find that the resources are either really young for like for pioneer, yeah, you're or the they're a bit too mature, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's a really good point, Megan. I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because well, and and I felt in in the tension that you were like you you expressed just a bit of tension in the past that you're like you want them to be able to like Dave has has used these questions in his CP classes to like go fingers deep into the text, see what it mm-hmm. says, what does it say about God, what does it say about people, and mm-hmm. what does it say about a relationship, and then at the same time like that that last the the specifically the last two piece what does it say about people in our relationship that's when we can start to look at the world around us and then see where we are in that world that's that's a way of seeing saying how it applies to our life right you want it mm-hmm. to be personal and yeah. that's where like it um 
a Bible class being quasi academic, there, there is a ten, there is a natural tension that exists in there. So I'm glad that you've identified that because if we exclusively go for academics, right, um, then it, it becomes cold, and mm-hmm. and a, the 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 spiritual formation of students and um, reading and studying the living word of God is not that sort of a, a, a dive in. At least if you did that with students, it would be a very quick way to to lose their interest. But yeah, just to totally. go back to to go back to the resource piece to create a quasi academic. Um, Bible course for middle age, middle grade students is is particularly difficult because of exactly what you just expressed. That either you find stuff that is too young or too youth groupy. Dave, Dave mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. coined that term yeah. because nothing against youth group. I find that's actually a lot of right now media can be quite youth groupy or Bible like like life groupy. I don't know. Yeah. Not that that's a bad thing, but it just doesn't. It's just seem a different. To fit. It's a different context. Yeah. Totally. And we have, you know, we have our specific kind of Bible curriculum that we're trying to follow from K to 12 in our school. So to find something that fits what we're trying to cover at the age level that we're trying to meet. Yeah, it's tricky. And all of that is work for us. (laughs) Right, yeah. like the, there's no prepackaged, there's no teachers pay teachers, and t- like in K to eight, like teachers are f- like trying to find time to just figure out how to teach math. So this is very difficult for teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very. Ah, okay. That kind of leads a... to your math question, Riley. <laughs> yeah, speaking of math, I'll, I'll let you do that one. So, Megan, I wanted to ask you about this because this is something I've identified recently this year, just just around the topic of anxiety. So, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing my master's now and I'm looking at math education and there's a whole area of math ed research on math anxiety. Right. And it seems that they 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 would um, math researchers would suggest that there doesn't seem to be a lot of anxiety in other subject areas. And all of a sudden, I thought, oh my goodness, I think there is Bible anxiety. So, yeah. could you speak to that? Do you think that that's something that you've observed in your class? And then, with like creating Bible resources, such a challenge for teachers. Might there be Bible anxiety in fellow colleagues? Yeah, I think so. I think what you mentioned before about the whole like Bible becoming too academic, I think I think that's exactly or could be where student anxiety around Bible comes from, where like they're they're trying to be successful academically in all these other courses and if they feel like they get to the Bible and they don't know how to answer questions perfectly or they feel like they have to be vulnerable and share things that are going on in their lives that are messy, that doesn't fit with their like perfect trying to achieve academic excellence type of mentality. So I think that that can really bring some anxiety for them. Also kind of like what I mentioned before, just having a safe place to share. If they don't feel like they have a safe place, they might be afraid to share their Mm -hmm. thoughts or be afraid to look like they don't know the answer. So I think for sure that I can see that happening um, with students. Um, I think that's why also like I, I really want everything that I do in the context of a Bible class to be really accessible and to be able to scaffold and support so that all students can be successful with that. I think that's really important, especially for Bible. Um, For teachers, I think, and and this is like speaking of my own experience, kind of like in the past, I think that anxiety could just come from a lack of understanding the Bible ourselves, like just not feeling confident or, or not even 
having a passion for it or an interest in it ourselves. And if we don't have that, how on earth are we going to motivate students to want that? So I think that could be a piece of that as well. Um, it wasn't really until I kind of owned my own deep dive study of the Bible that I really wanted to share that with my students. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that could be a thing for, for teachers that kind of prevents them or, or they feel, feel fearful about it because they're not confident or they're not passionate about it. I, I like the word accessible. I think that that is so, um, yeah, that is that is an important word, hey? Because I think a lot of teachers want their Bible class to be accessible, but we also want it to have a depth of meaning and what we've talked about, a literacy that comes with the Bible. So how do we lower the floor for students to still dive deep into scripture without saying like, okay, now we've lo- lowered the floor and now it's just all fluffy and it doesn't really matter anymore. And we just, mm-hmm. maybe we just kind of talk about our lives. Right. I, your yeah. approach seems to be, you want it to be accessible, but equally accessible and meaningful when it comes to approaching learning about like the, the text, the Bible. Totally. We mm-hmm. just, <laughs> I, I like, uh, Dave, I'd love to talk to you more about the, those qu- three questions that you had your students right. look at. Yeah. Um, I asked some similar questions. We just did a unit on Romans, which <laughs> I was like, I went to Riley and I was like, I feel like this is way too ambitious, but there it is in our curriculum. And I, I didn't want to skip over it. Like if I truly telling students that the entire Bible is accessible to them and they can study it and learn from it, then um, let's do it. So, um, but I wanted it to be accessible and Riley, like you said, I wanted it to be Mm. low floor. So I just asked them to find some answers in one chapter to some questions. Like what does this tell us about who God is? What does this say about who Jesus is and what he did? Um, Does this tell us anything about the Holy spirit what does this say about us as people? Um, are there any commands or instructions in this chapter? And then we like talked about that. And, and then the application piece came after that. But it was first of all, like read it and figure out what does it say? Um, and everybody can do that. Every grade seven student can do that. So I think that was like for us, the starting place. And obviously we didn't go very far with Romans. We could have, <laughs> could have taken all year, but yeah. we got to a point where they were like, oh, okay, this, this really tricky looking chapter, mm-hmm. I could learn some truth about God from it. And that's good. So, yeah. I, I like also that, like when you say a grade seven student can do this, like that's in reference to a skill and mm-hmm. the, the anxiety you talked about, a- academic anxiety you talked about earlier was like about knowing the right answer about God, about, about um, spiritual things. And that is very overwhelming. But when mm-hmm. we start to reframe it as a literacy skill about reading, about pulling things out from a text, or as Dave has talked about in previous as historical thinking skills, it does seem to uh, that approach to teaching, like all though it seems to be the, the best way to approach any sort of teaching now, it does seem to work well in Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it, it, this idea of uh, mentioned before too, of, of scaffolding, you mentioned, you know, we talked so much about like age appropriate, developmentally appropriate and accessibility, which is another word used. I love that. And then what amazes me, and this is sort of, uh, dovetailing alongside like 
you mentioned to our, our own discoveries in the scriptures or what we're, this is not just about Bible. I mean, this is about anything in, in life and you bring that into the classroom, right? That sort of animates mm-hmm. us Yeah, uh, is like even, even at grade 12. So I've got like, this is like the last semester uh, of our, with our grade 12s. And uh, I'm doing this brand new course, political studies uh, in BC curriculum and so I said, you know what, let's, so we're doing like all sorts of political philosophy, political issues, politics, this and that. And then it's like, we're reading through, we're doing a political reading of Exodus. And like most of them know the Exodus story or at least the highlights of it. And then we read it as a political text. Cool. And I can see like, and they're like, you know, empires and regimes and there's economics and there's like all, mm. all like all these things going on. And like, back to that point of like this overlaps with other aspects of of our teaching and right. uh, so that that language uh, you know uh, the double edged sword language of the bible being quote relevant um to student lives like in one sense we want it to be relevant in other ways not every verse is going to neatly line up with be relevant to a student's yeah, life yeah apply to you today right, yeah you it, yeah. Right, exactly um but this this idea of this text uh, can speak into so many, like every dimension of the human experience. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've just, I, I've had like my experience in this last, uh, this last quarter or semester or whatever system we have now yeah. <laughs> uh, is, um, is to see student eyes like they're, they're like to see them dive this. And it's like, this is not a Bible class. And to see, you know, and, and they've got, uh, they're pulling up on their phones, whatever. And they're like diving through pages of like Old Testament, like Hebrew Bible and mm. uh, doing it like, and they're like, they're like, oh yeah, this. And like, it's, it's neat to see the excitement. Um, it's like uh, seeing something anew, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. And that's, that's like the scaffolding piece, right? It's the scaffolding piece you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. You've shown them what that can look like. And then some of them will kind of stop there and need you to kind of hold their hand along with that. Yeah, and of course. Them, oh yeah. Yeah. Like I'm amazed at what some of them are able to do with just a little bit of scaffolding and then they'll take it and run and be able to do that's, a lot with it. Yeah. So yeah, that's cool. And that's, it, that's a great example of like legitimate integration, Dave. Like yes. I think mm-hmm. yeah. teachers love to integrate, but you, I, I like that you can't just speak something into integration. So there it is actually manifest in your political studies class. Yeah, that's amazing. So Megan, one of the things when we have guests on, uh, this has been sort of a long-standing tradition on our podcast is just to hear um, this open, open-ended question of what you're reading at the moment. If you're a, a reader and it can be for pleasure, it does not have to be academic or, or even for pro D, but um yeah. Do you have any, and we're just coming out of spring break. <laughs> so any, uh, yeah. anything that is sort of like you've been plugged into? Um, well, for pleasure, I'm kind of in between books right now. I just finished reading a book called Women Talking and it's like, it's by Miriam Taves and it's about a Mennonite colony in Manitoba. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, a colleague lent that to me. So I just yeah. finished that and I'm about to start reading um, two books. I'm going to reread Emma by Jane Austen. Um, and then I found another book called Emma, A Modern Retelling. And it's by Alexander McCall Smith, who is the author of the number one ladies detective agency. I don't know if you've read those books. They're some of my favorites. Um, but he wrote this book, A Modern Retelling of Emma. So that's my okay. plan. That's where I'm heading. 
Uh, and are you going to do I'll, those concurrently or like one? Well, like, no, I think I'm, I think I'm going to read the original, read first. the original and yeah. Then, yeah. Okay. And then read the retelling. Yeah. Nice. So, so those are my two upcoming. And then I do have a pro D book on the go. I'm reading ungrading, um, by Susan Bloom and, uh, it's called why rating students undermines learning and what to do instead. So hmm. I'm very interested in assessment and, yeah. um, the new way of assessing on a proficiency scale in our BC curriculum. So yeah. That book has been good. I've only just begun. Wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Oh, phenomenal. I think there was, um, not too long ago, I think there was a new Emma movie that actually came out. So maybe you'll have to check that one Ooh, out. Oh, yeah, I will. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> See all the, the versions. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, thank you, Megan. I would just as we wrap up here, is there anything else that it is that, that you is on your heart or something that you wanted to say? I don't think so. Just thanks for having me. And I... That yeah, was very, yeah, I, very uh, evangelical of you, Riley. Anything yeah. on your heart? <laughs> on your heart? <laughs> yeah. Yes, Beautiful. on my heart is a heartfelt thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, no, I, I love, Riley, I love talking with you at work about mm. all this kind of stuff. So I'm happy to have been able to do it here with you as well, Dave. Yeah, and uh, this is uh, the wonderful thing about these, these episodes is uh, getting to, to share them to a broader audience. So thank you mm-hmm. again so much. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Megan. I will see you at work tomorrow. Ah. Oh, yeah. ah, back to the grind. <laughs> and uh, to all the people that are listening, thank you for tuning in. For more episodes, make sure you check out. Uh, we'll hit follow or subscribe on whatever app it is that you are listening to be notified of new episodes. And then also check us out on Twitter at Not Many of You. And be sure to check out our website for all of our previous episodes at notmanyofyou.com. Have a good one. If you're still on March break, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, For those of you going back to school soon, I hope that you persevere and do all that you can to finish this very unorthodox school year. (laughs) All the best. Bye-bye.